Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. A couple weeks ago when we were in Cambodia in Siem Reap, we were visiting Angkor Wat, which is one of the seven or eight, depending on the way you count them, wonders of the ancient world. It was originally a Hindu temple, and it was, uh, it's now a Buddhist temple. And when I say we, I mean Matthew Geppert, who is the president of Southeast Asia Prayer Center, and Faith Toomey from New Life and me. And as we were walking and praying through uh, the, the temple, we saw this young couple, and they were kneeling in prayer. And we looked and saw, and, and over uh, this way, they were here, and they were looking this way, uh, and, and their heads bowed to that direction. There was a, a big statue of Buddha. So we waited until they finished praying, and then Matt, um, and they got up, and Matt went over and said, hi, how are you doing, and you know, who are you, and where are you from? And they were Cambodians, and they had been born in Cambodia, but they've been living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for the last 10 years. They're U.S. citizens now, and it was a brother and sister, as it turned out, young adults. Victoria and Chi are their names, and uh, they were there, they said, to discover or rediscover their roots. Because as young adults, they're about ready to launch into their working careers, and they are actually going to have a job together. That's their goal. And, and so they were praying for blessing. And they were praying that they would be blessed in their business. And they hoped that they would have an answer to their prayers. And, and so I would ask, is, is that the same thing as when we, as followers of Jesus, pray? And we're going we're gonna to dig into that question this morning because what we're talking about this week is the second of seven themes in this Time of Your Life series. And we introduced the, the seven last week. They are rest and prayer is the second. And then physical care, relationships, study, work, and finances. And uh, as we think about prayer... We have to say that last week, the reason rest came first, because we say here at New Life, everything begins and ends with prayer, but we said rest comes first because you have to what? Does anybody remember? Start with rest to be our best or be your best. Right, okay. Some of you were here last week at least. Some of you remembered. And I, and I said, you know, the take-home points are all going to rhyme. But, but today, we're going to talk about prayer because everything does end in uh, starting in with prayer, when we're at our best, because as we're going to see in the scripture we read, we're going to read a, several scriptures actually, but the first one tells us that we're supposed to pray all the time. And, and, and praying all the time uh, actually would only make sense if there was someone to whom we're praying. I, I mean, if you think about praying to a stone idol, for example, if you really think about that, does it make sense to pray? To ask for a stone idol to do something for you. And yet people all over the world do it. And, and, and people here in the U.S. do the very same thing. And as we think about this whole matter of prayer, Americans are, are pragmatic people. We always ask, you know, what's it going to do for me? What am I going to get out of it? How's it going to benefit me? And so even with prayer, we might say, you know, what's it going to do for me? How, what am I going to get out of this prayer thing? And, and actually people in all the world's religions ask the same question. And actually even atheists ask that question. Twenty-some percent of atheists pray. I haven't figured out why, but they do. Uh, and, and they think that somehow there's going to be some benefit. And, you know, there are certain people who think that all prayer is, is whistling in the dark. It's, it's sort of like, you know, you whistle and you hope that whatever's lurking in the shadows won't come out and get you. And, and, and I raise the question again, is there a difference 
between a Buddhist praying to a statue and a follower of Jesus praying to God. And the Bible says there's a radical difference between those very two things. And in fact, from the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, which is the last book, and there are 66 books in all, all 66 books, virtually every book says something about prayer. And what it says about prayer is there's a God who hears our prayers. And this God who hears our prayers wants us to unite our will with his will. And that in certain situations when we pray, God does things that he would not do had we not prayed. So prayer is very effective depending on to whom it is we pray. After all, prayer could be whistling in the dark if we're praying to a stone or a doorknob or to nothing. But if there is a God who hears then that's a whole different matter. So let's turn to the Bible, and we're going to see today what the Bible has to say about prayer and how it impacts our lives. And before we do that, let's look at the take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point we seek to make each week that we hope that you'll take out and, and we'll all take out and, and, and live it in our lives this week. So here it is. A life of prayer means God everywhere. Now, again, it rhymes. A life of prayer means God everywhere. Now, that does not mean that God is everything. It doesn't mean that God is the tree and God is the rock and God is the animal and God is us. What it means, and actually I'm going to have this up on the screen, it means that wherever we go, whatever we do, God is with us. Indeed, if we are Jesus' followers, God is in us. He desires to communicate with us to cooperate with us in his plan for each of us individually and for all of humanity through his son Jesus Christ by means of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now there is a lot of insider language in that statement. What I mean by that is if you come here today and you're seeking Jesus and you maybe are, you don't, you're seeking God or you're seeking truth and you don't yet know Jesus as your Savior, which means that he has saved you from sin and death, if you don't know him as your Lord, which means he's the owner of your life, then those words on the screen may be nothing more than words on the screen. But what they mean very simply is we who are followers of Jesus believe that there's a God who's alive. And that God showed himself to us most clearly in the man, Jesus Christ, who is God, who emptied himself of, of all that it meant to be with his heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven and came and took on a human body and in that human body taught us who God is, showed us what God is like, and then died on the cross of Calvary to pay the penalty for human sin and then rose from the dead, went back to heaven, and sent his spirit. And that we can know and experience God personally in the presence of the Holy Spirit in us as we believe in Jesus Christ. Now, we don't always experience that, which means that this life in Jesus Christ must be a process. And that's what we said during our first fall series, You Are Here. Um, we, we, we did that in September and into October. And if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go to www.newlifexn.org and watch or listen to the videos of those four messages. Because we said there that the Christian life is a process. It's a, we said it, there's a spiritual growth continuum. And we start as explorers. We are exploring the idea of whether Jesus is God. And then we come to believe that he's God. And then we become disciples, which means we develop disciplines to become more like Jesus. And then finally, we're spirit-led, which means the Holy Spirit leads us in our lives, that we communicate with God via the Holy Spirit, and God communicates back to us and shows us the, the meaning and purpose for life and what we're supposed to do. So, 
right now, before we turn to the scriptures, let's pray because my experience is a lot more is accomplished by praying than by talking about prayer, even though we need to talk about prayer in order to understand it. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that you are alive. I pray this morning that you would open our hearts, that we might hear what you have to say to us about prayer, and that we might each experience your touch wherever there's pain in our life today, or even where there's joy that we might celebrate it with you. And God, we pray that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us, that we might be empowered to live what we learn and not just to think or talk about it. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first Bible passage is so brief that I could tell you what it is before you could look it up in your Bible. But I'm going to ask you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, to please go to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. That's what it says. Never stop praying. I told you it was short. I learned it as pray without ceasing. The first time I heard that passage of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, I was probably in Bernadine Lockard's Sunday school class as a little boy about five decades ago. And when the first time I heard it, it didn't make any sense to me. And as a teenager, it didn't make any sense to me. And as a young adult, it didn't make any sense to me. Because how can you pray all the time? How can you never stop praying? It doesn't make any sense unless praying is something different than I thought prayer was. And if I said to you, what is prayer? Some of you would say, well, it's the Lord's Prayer. You know, certain words that we say to God, and that is true, that is prayer. And some of you would say prayer is uh, talking with God, which it is. And some of you would say it's listening to God, which it is. But prayer must be more than those three things if we can do it all the time. Because I can't pray verbally or listen to God all the time when I'm doing certain things. For example... um, This past week, I started working out again because of uh, the little boy in Cambodia who told me about my baby, and I'm going to get rid of that baby, you know. Uh, And so I worked out five days. I'm doing P90X, and on Wednesday, for example, I was doing push-ups. No, Thursday. I was doing push-ups, and when I'm doing push-ups, I can't pray to God verbally because I have to count how many push-ups I do so that I know how many I'm going to do the next time. You see, if I did 20 each set this time, which is what I did, then I need to do at least 21 or I'm going to feel like a failure and my baby's never going away. (laughs) Right? So, do you think the Apostle Paul would say don't do push-ups? Of course not, because next week when we talk about physical care, which I encourage everybody to be here next week, when we talk about physical care, we're going to read a scripture where the Apostle Paul tells us that physical training is of some benefit. So if he says that it's of some benefit, how could he tell us to not do it, right? So what's that? how am I praying when I'm doing push-ups? Well, listen very carefully. When I do an activity to the glory of God, and that's, that's a very big you know, qualifier, when I'm doing it to the glory of God, that activity can be prayer. Activity done to God's glory is prayer. And I skipped over a point that's very important because it, it, it occurred to me at a certain point, after I heard people saying to me, you know, Pastor Chris, I don't understand this whole prayer thing. When I pray, it doesn't seem like God's even there. Some people say to me, I don't understand why we have to pray because if I'm praying to God who already knows what I want, then why do I have to tell him? And some people say this thing about praying all the time. How can I pray all the time? You know, I have three little kids under five. How am I going to pray all the time? Or I'm working 75 hours a week. How can I pray all the time? And what I discovered or realized finally is praying all the time is recognizing I'm never alone. 
that God is always with me and acknowledging him to be there. And so this activity that I do to God's glory and that you do to God's glory, that can be prayer. That's the way the scripture teaches us. That's what I've come to understand after many years of study and life experience. Now, here's the thing. There are lots of people who do push-ups every day, and they're not praying. Because they're doing push-ups so that they can look good, so that people will notice them. They're doing push-ups so that they won't die. Let me tell you, you will die if you do push-ups. Not necessarily today, but you're still going to die. Everybody's going to die unless Jesus comes back. Push-ups won't keep you from dying. It might keep you from dying as soon, but you're still going to die. But if you're doing push-ups so you won't die or doing push-ups so you look good, that's not prayer. But if you're doing push-ups as part of a regimen so that you can care for the body, which Jesus, not Jesus, but the Apostle Paul says is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then that itself can be prayer. In fact, Paul, in another place, said whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving glory to God the Father through him. So that means that we could be praying as we're eating. And I think even as we're sleeping, if what we're doing is to the glory of God. How do you sleep to the glory of God? Well, I would say when you go to sleep, before you go to sleep, you say, God, bless my sleep. Let me be renewed so that I can wake to serve you. And I even say, God, you know, even use my dreams to glorify you. So I guess that would be prayer. So here's the thing. When I saw that young couple, Victoria and Chi, bowing down in prayer to a stone idol, it broke my heart. Because I don't see that kind of devotion very often. And I said, imagine if that devotion was focused toward the living God. And, and I imagine that all the time. I imagine it for you. I imagine it for me. I imagine it for everybody that I know. And I, have, I imagine it for all the people in the world that I don't know. What if we would focus our lives and our attention on Jesus Christ? What if we would give our lives totally and completely into his keeping? And when we prayed, we would know he's there and he answers. What if we would do that? And, and, and last week uh, during the offering and, and pretty much in a lot of weeks and in, in the weeks ahead, I'm going to keep coming back to a certain verse, John 10.10, 10, because it's really impacting my life right now, and I think it impacts all of our lives. But in John 10.10, 10, what Jesus does is he puts, basically, he puts up two sides. He says, you know, there's God, meaning Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father, and then there's the devil. And, and he says it this way, the thief that is, the devil does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I came in order that they may have life. And he uses the word zoe, which is a special word. It's God's life in us and have it abundantly. So how do we never stop praying? We recognize that God is for us. And that anything that has to do with death or, 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 or stealing or destruction is the devil. And God is for us all the time, 100% all the time. We have to acknowledge that he's there when we pray. We're not praying to the air. We're not praying to some stone idol or a light bulb. We're praying to the God who exists, who showed himself in Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. And it takes practice. It, it, it takes discipline. It takes commitment. But, but the thing is, when we first trusted Jesus, I, I don't know, some of you might remember when you first trusted Jesus and he seemed so real. Because anytime a new relationship begins, the, that relation seems, I want to use the word, realer more real than anything, right? For instance, when I started dating Nancy, I used to ride my bicycle six miles from Gypsy to Hillsdale to a payphone 
so that I could call her for free. We'll talk about the ethics of that someday. But I, I, I would ride my bicycle six miles uphill both ways. It, it was because it was uphill six, three miles, and then downhill three miles. And then back it was uphill three miles and down three. Just so I could hear her voice and so I could talk to her without having to pay. Because it was a toll call from Gypsy to Crickside where she lived. Now, those of you who are under 20, your parents will explain to you what a payphone is. But anyway... The point is, I wanted to be in Nancy's presence so badly, I wanted to hear her voice so badly that I would ride my bicycle 12 miles just so I could do that. And when you want God that much, then you and I, when we want God that much, we will know what it means to pray without ceasing. So as we would expect, there's not only words from the Apostle Paul about prayer, but Jesus had a lot to say about prayer. And Jesus not only had a lot to say about prayer, but I think Jesus is the best example of a prayer warrior that ever has been alive on the planet. When Jesus woke up, and it was before daylight, he would go and pray. And, and think about this. He's God, right? So why would God need to pray? Well, God the Father and God the Son had this intimacy that we can't imagine. And, and every day, Jesus would get up before daylight, and sometimes he would stay up all night long, and he would pray. And they would communicate and commune with each other. And so, but this is one of the most important things Jesus said about prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 7, and this is what it says. Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. The New Living Translation does a really good job of showing us that this is an ongoing activity. We're not supposed to ask once and then just forget about it, but we're supposed to ask and keep on asking. We're supposed to seek and keep on seeking. We're supposed to knock and keep on knocking. And when we do that, we'll get answers and we'll discover what it is that we're looking for and we'll have the doors that are, that are here on earth that need to be opened, open. That's what Jesus says. But it takes perseverance and patience. And again, we come back to the question, well, why do we need to persevere in prayer? If Jesus knows what we need before we ask him, why do we have to ask him? And Jesus even said, if you're a really biblical scholar in here, you know that in Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't go on praying over and over and over again like the pagans do, thinking that they're going to get what they want because they said it a lot. But know that you know, your God in heaven knows what you need before you ask. So why here does Jesus say, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking? Because he knows that we need to develop perseverance and patience. And I'm sure that Jesus knew that in 2015 in the United States of America, there would never be a society that had ever needed patience and perseverance more. We live in an instant world, don't we? Go to the microwave and get your food in 30 seconds, 45, maybe two minutes if it's tops. You know, Go, go to, to a, a fast food restaurant so you can get there faster and get out faster. We all want our computers to be faster and faster and faster. A few weeks back, the Armstrong Cable sent me a new modem for my internet so it would be faster. I didn't even know my, mo my internet was slower. But some of you did, right? Some of you knew. You wanted that faster, faster. Got to have it now. And yet Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And that's the reality that Jesus asks us to do. And then he gives us a little illustration that shows us we don't have to keep asking because God doesn't want to give us answers. We don't have to keep seeking because God doesn't want us to find. We don't have to keep knocking because God doesn't want to open doors. He does. In fact, here's what Jesus said about that. You parents, 
If your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? You see Jesus' point? We human parents are sinners. At our, at our best, we're still sinners. And, and when our children ask for stuff, we give them good things. God's perfect. And when we ask Him for stuff, He's going to give us better stuff than we're going to give our kids. And the, the, uh, the Gospel of Luke has the same account, but it's, it's a little different, and it's a significant difference. Listen to what Luke said. Jesus said, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. Then it says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you see the difference? Matthew tells us that God wants to give us good stuff. And Luke tells us that the good stuff isn't stuff, it's the Holy Spirit. That's very important. Because, you know, sometimes what we do is we ask God for stuff. We say, God, give me a Tesla. Some of you don't know what a Tesla is. It's a $101,500 car. Okay? And so we pray, God, give me a Tesla, give me a Tesla, give me a Tesla. And God doesn't give us a Tesla. And so we say, God isn't there, or God isn't listening, or God doesn't care, or I'm not worthy. What if? God wants to give us something better. Well, he does want to give us something better. He wants to give us the Holy Spirit because his Holy Spirit is his presence in us. And when we have God's presence in us, we have power that we can't have on our own. And we have, we have the comfort that, that, that only comes when God's presence is with us. And we have the conviction of sin when we sin so that right away we can turn around and come back to God. And we have boldness out there in the world to tell others about him and to show others his truth and his love. You see, that's so much better than the stuff that we so often ask for. God wants to give us more than we need. And God wants to give better than what we often ask him to give us. And here's the thing, though. God is not a genie and God is not a vending machine. He isn't there to give us the, the best or the latest or the most abundant thing that we think abundant life is. In fact, Jesus tells us that abundant life might be different than we have come to believe by living in this culture. He says this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of uh, greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. During our trip to Cambodia, I had the opportunity to visit seven orphanages I got to visit with 180 children whose needs are being met every day by God. Who have clothing to wear and food to eat. Who have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I'm not saying that we don't. What I'm saying is that sometimes we think what we need is one more thing or a hundred more dollars or a thousand more dollars or a ten thousand more dollars or you put the zero in there. And almost always what we need is not more of that. Almost always what we need is more of God. And the cool thing is, we live in the, one of the richest uh, nations in the world. And as Christians who live in this nation, we have the opportunity to be the answer to other people's prayers. And you are, actually. Every day, this church, by the offerings and tithes that you give, blesses people all over the world and answers prayers. Some of those children in Cambodia, you're supporting them. You know, by your financial gifts, their prayers are answered. Isn't that cool to think about? That by giving, sometimes we can be the answer to somebody else's prayer. Now, here's the hardest thing for me when it comes to prayer. 
I learned as a little boy to keep on asking and to keep on seeking and keep on knocking. And I've asked for stuff that I know God has to give. And he hasn't. He hasn't. You know, the, the, I think probably the very first time that I had that big ask kind of prayer was whenever my wife Nancy got pregnant after we'd been praying and praying and praying that she would get pregnant. And then something went wrong, and I prayed really hard, God, please let the baby be okay. But the baby died before it was born. That's a hard one. And then about a year after that, my dad called me and told me, just before we moved back to Pennsylvania from Ohio, he said, your mother had a stroke. It doesn't look good. So I prayed, God, you got to save my mom. And two hours later, she was dead. And then six years after that, my dad had a heart attack. And, you know, same prayer. And I know, I know that people in this room have prayed for that kind of prayer. And the person you prayed for died. And I know that you've prayed for God to give you wisdom or show you direction. And, and you've waited and waited and waited and waited and waited until the situation went past. And now th there's no point anymore to pray for that prayer. And I know that you've prayed for doors to open and the door stays nailed shut. So, so what about that? Is there really a difference between praying to this God that we call, you know, Father, this God who we call Jesus, the Holy Spirit, than, 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 than Victoria and Chi praying to a stone idol in Cambodia? Yes. There's a big difference. In fact, the, the, the prophet Isaiah said that God is so different. And this answer is not going to make you feel better if, if what you want is to always get what you want. It doesn't make me feel better either, just so you know. Because I always want what I want when I pray prayers like that. But, but Isaiah says that God is so different than us. In fact, his ways are so different than us. But that by analogy, he says that his ways are as high as the heavens is above the earth. That's how high his ways and his thoughts are above my ways and my thoughts. And I know what I want when I pray. And you know what you want when you pray. And, and we know that there are certain times where we think we know that God has to give us this certain thing when we pray. And yet that doesn't happen. So does that mean there's no God? No, it doesn't mean there's no God. Because I've prayed for God to do miracles. And I've seen God heal people. I've seen people with cancer totally healed. I've seen people with, you know, different kinds of injuries totally healed. And I've prayed for people who have been demon-possessed and the demon's been cast out. And I've prayed for people to be transformed. And they are. And, and we all celebrate when those things happen. In fact, I didn't mention that after we lost the one baby, we had two babies who are grown adults now. And we do celebrate that. And not that the two make up for the one. But God's blessing is often right in front of us and we don't see it. And, and the truth of the matter is, when God wanted to correct our mistake, not His, which is called sin... He died for us. He knows the pain of losing a son. He knows the pain of having everybody turn against him. And he knows pain we could not know. Because he took the sin of the world on himself, even though he was totally innocent. And so when we pray, we can be sure that he understands our prayer. That he hears our prayer. 
And, and you know, there are prayers, prayers that I'm still praying that God hasn't answered yet. And sometimes after decades, God has said yes. And sometimes he says no. And here's the thing that we need to understand. We need to pray and never stop praying. We need to ask and keep on asking. We need to seek and keep on seeking. We need to knock and keep on knocking because God, what did he say? He said he will give us answers. He will give us what we're looking for. He will open doors because he's the living God of the universe. After we had talked with Chi and Victoria for a while, Pastor Matt said to them, would it be okay if Pastor Chris prayed for you? And they eagerly said yes. And so we grabbed hands, you know, in a circle, just the five of us, and we started to pray. And I don't remember everything I prayed, but I prayed for, the, for God to make himself known to Victoria and Chi. I prayed for God to show himself real. And I prayed that they would come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. I prayed that God would bless them in their work. I prayed that God would bless them in their lives. And at the end of the prayer, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And the, the man, Chi, said, amen. Now, I don't know if that meant that he really, really received the prayer. But amen means let it be so. I don't know if he knows that. But that's what amen means. And I've been praying regularly for this young couple that they will come to know Jesus. They're back in the States by now. They're back in, you know, Louisiana. And I pray that, that they will come have these divine meetings with people that they have no idea about that will just affirm that there is a God who has a son whose name is Jesus, who died and rose again and sent his spirit that we can have life in all of its abundance. Does God answer prayer? Yes, he does. Does he always answer prayer the way we want? No, he doesn't. I don't know why. One day, I have this really, really long list that I'm going to ask him when I get there. However, I'm thinking that when I get there, I might just go, oh, now I get it. But not today. Some of us have questions that we just don't have the answers to today. But I am going to ask all of us to make a commitment today. It's a pretty serious commitment. It says this, I will pray all day, every day this week. I will pray all day, every day this week, which means that we will talk to God and we will listen for his answer, but it also means that as we do whatever it is we do, that we'll do it as unto the Lord, which obviously means we're going to have to stop doing some things, doesn't it? <laughs> Certain things you just can't do to the glory of God, can't sin to the glory of God, but there's a whole lot of things we can do to his glory. And, and if you're here today and, and you're one of those folks who've been questioning and wondering, is there really a God? There is. And if today you've become convinced by our time together through our worship and through the message and through the word, you would like to trust him as your Savior and Lord. All you have to do, very simple, not easy, but very simple, is say, Jesus, I trust you as Savior and Lord. Please come into my life. Savior means save you from sin and death. Lord means I, I give you my life. You can take over. And when you do that, you receive a new life. And sometimes when that happens, people feel it. It's a big, big change. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes it, it doesn't feel any different because, because everything isn't about feelings, although in this culture we think it is. Sometimes there's just a calm assurance that there's been a shift in our lives. So we're going to pray right now, and, and I'm going to simply ask God to bless those who made that commitment. I'm going to ask 
God to bless the rest of us who have already made that commitment. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're the living God of the universe. We thank you that you hear us when we pray. And even when we don't, you still know what we need. God, my prayer today is that for any who just trusted you as Savior and Lord, that you would make yourself real and known to them in your word, by your spirit, and in tangible deeds. God, I pray for anyone in this room who needs physical healing today, that you would touch them from the inside out and bring physical healing, spiritual healing, every kind of healing that is needed, God. I pray for those who have been lacking something in their life and thinking that it might be stuff. And if it is stuff, God, provide it as they put their lives in your control. But God, if it's the Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd pour your spirit into all of us in full measure. I pray, God, that we would know that you are alive and that you have died and risen again and you are giving life to all who receive it. And God, I pray that we might live that life boldly, humbly, confidently this week. In Jesus' name, amen.